going on, everybody? Welcome to another week of the Live Life Aggressive Podcast. Mike Mollis, Sincere Hogan. Um, hey, man, rocking and rolling, heading toward episode 50, getting a little closer, inching step by step yeah. here. Getting there. And the guests keep getting better and better each week. And again, this week, no exception. Want to welcome our good friend, Nate. Nate Jackson in the house. What's up, man? What's going on, guys? How you doing? Doing, doing great, man. Now, Nate is a health and wellness coach based out of Toronto, the T.O. And um, I actually came across Nate a few years ago, actually when I was switching to being a vegetarian, switching up my diet, and I was looking for just different proteins out there away from all the whey proteins and things like that. And I, that's when I really discovered, like, Sun Warrior. And I remember seeing Nate on the website. I remember seeing Mike. I knew Mike at the time was using Sun Warrior, and both guys were on the site at that time. And so I started, like, looking into a lot of things that Nate was doing and pretty much just kind of kept up with him over the years. And, you know, here we are, man. And it's just funny. We both kind of had some similar stories just with our diets. It's one of the reasons why we brought Nate on the show, just kind of get a different perspective. Um, on going from a plant-based diet to switching to a diet that includes a little more animal protein and just pretty much how that came about and how it affected him and, you know, where he is now. And then we can talk about, also, just on the business side of things, um, it's Nate as being a, a holistic coach that's teaching health and wellness to his clients. So, again, Nate, thanks again for coming on, brother, and we really appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to talk to Mike and myself. Definitely not a problem. This is a, this is a dream come true. You guys have both helped me out along my journey. Um, it's just a, it's an honor to be here, and I just want to say thank you now for all the information that both you guys put out there, uh, both free and obviously dropping a dollar on uh, just quality stuff that uh, myself and many of my clients have, have benefited from. Cool. Thanks a lot, man. Appreciate that. So, yeah, I mean, my story is it's a little complicated, and uh, I'm going to kind of get to the roots of it. And, um, you know, if I kind of get on a tangent or whatnot, just kind of reel me in or bring me back in because I'm pretty passionate about uh, what has happened in my life, and I know that a lot of people can kind of benefit from it. But uh, it all started out kind of um, – it kind of the bodybuilding days, you know, I started out training in, you know, typical bodybuilder style workouts, bodybuilding, nutrition. Um, and at the time, I was really, you know, the bodybuilding nutrition I was following was, was very low fat, you know. It was like, God forbid if you had a half an avocado, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, so I was doing that for, for 10 years or so after I left, uh, after I graduated college. And during that time, my mom was diagnosed with, um, with breast cancer. And for the first couple of years, I was in actually university at times. So I wasn't there with her, and I didn't see any of the, the ramifications of the chemotherapy and the radiation and, and whatnot. And my dad didn't really talk about it either, you know. So I didn't really know what was going on. I would see her sometimes on weekends and sometimes when I came home for the summer, but I was, uh, I was playing basketball at the time, so I didn't really get a whole lot of time to go home during the summer. But um, it wasn't until after I graduated when I actually moved back home for a year and, and saw it firsthand. It just, uh, I couldn't believe. Like, I guess I was just in, either in denial or I just didn't take enough time to really understand what my mom was going through, and it just kind of blew my mind. But, uh, you know, but that, that continued on, the whole chemotherapy and radiation, for about six or seven years, and in total it was about nine years, actually. And... Um, at the end of that, it's kind of when I saw or stumbled upon Mike's work. I started to to change my my philosophies with training and get a little more in strength and conditioning. And then along came kettlebells and and things like that. So obviously Mike was a big resource there for for training DVDs and whatnot. And then um, 
my mom basically got fell really ill. It was in 2006, and it was at uh, Christmas time. And basically, my, my dad and I kind of we knew that this was probably the end. You know, she wasn't going to get out of the hospital. And my mom, kind of, I'm sure she knew it to some extent, but she uh, she pulled me aside and said, "Hey, Nate, you know, if uh, if I can get out of this thing one more time, I really want to try alternative therapies and you know get away from the chemotherapy and radiation." So I was, you know, pretty pumped by that and that she wasn't giving up. So I, uh, you know, did my research and, mm-hmm. and came back with a few few alternatives or a few options at least. And um, yeah, so we kind of decided on intravenous megadose vitamin C therapy. And miraculously enough, she did get out of the hospital, and within like a week or two, she was seeing a naturopath here in Mississauga, which is uh, just outside Toronto. Mm -hmm. And uh, he put on our blood type diet, which uh, knowing what I know now about nutrition probably wouldn't be the way I go, but, uh, you know, it was 99% better than what she was on for the last, you know, 30-something years of her life. Right. So, you know, she was doing that, and she dropped um, the oxygen mask. She got out of the wheelchair. Um, her and my dad and, and their best friends uh, went to Vegas, which I was just telling Mike that, um, you know, we kind of, my parents lived in Vegas for a number of years there and then uh, moved back here, obviously, for health care issues and or reasons. And then they went back to Vegas to, you know, do a little trip and, and uh, you know, gambling and seeing some shows and enjoying the weather you guys have there right now. And, uh, you know, it was, it was quite miraculous, like all the things that she got back and she was able to do again. And, I, you know, it kind of sounds bad, but... You know, I, I almost forgot what my mom was like before, you know, the cancer kind of hit because, you know, she was just a ball of energy. She um, was always laughing, always, you know, um, you know, helping people out. And none of that stuff really left when she was sick, but just kind of got toned down a little bit, you know. Right. And uh, so she, you know, did that. She got back and she started doing, um, preparing for my aunt and uncle's 50th wedding anniversary, which was a huge, uh, huge deal here. And everything was great. It was phenomenal. And at this point in time, because of this uh, research I had done, I had landed upon a bunch of, uh, obviously, it's alternative therapies. I kept coming up with, you know, the plant-based diet is, is great for healing disease and it's great for cancer and, you know, meets the devil. And mm-hmm. so I was kind of falling, uh, falling in trap, I guess, to this to some extent. I mean, a lot of it is true, but, uh, you know, there's some things that I think the vegan communities kind of overemphasize a little bit and, and brainwash mm-hmm. you. And, and we, you know, all the different tribal food tribes out there kind of do the same thing. But uh, at the time, I was kind of falling into it. And uh, so I started switching my own diet, actually. And uh, I was competing for, or training to compete for a fitness model competition at the end of September, which is very similar to bodybuilding, just we're just not as big, that's all. And uh, like I said, I was still training the bodybuilding style and eating the same way. And uh, it was just, I don't know, it was just, I started started feeling better because I was cleansing obviously by going a little bit less heavy on the meat and eating more vegetables and, and beans and grains and legumes or um, lentils and and tons and tons of fresh vegetables and I, I also switched going from conventional stop shopping at like the local grocery store I went to the farmer's markets and you know got high quality foods and and I went through a detox and I had no idea what a detox was back at that point in time right and, now Nate were you off were you off animal products completely or were you just phasing it out at this point just phasing it out at that point, um, I, I could care less if I ever see a piece of chicken in my life again. I, <laughs> I, like I share the same feeling, man. <laughs> I told my wife, I was like, you know what, poultry, you can keep that. I could care less about turkey, chicken. Please, I, I'm yeah. over it. I'm so over it. 
I think human much. meat. I think human meat's going to be the big thing this year because oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's most identical to our muscle makeup. You know, it makes the most sense to me. Right. <laughs> hey, I'll take the Dahmer, I'll take the Dahmer combo, please. So. <laughs> is that the super fatty cut or is that the lean cut? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Stop. Stop getting in shape. You're going to be a target real fast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the thing. It's like, hey, if you're obese, I'm telling you, zombie apocalypse. You're going to be the first one to go. It's not like you're going to run. And first of all, you're going to sustain us. So yeah, you might want to go ahead and get in the gym now. That, that, that's a future episode of The Walking Dead. For I sure. know. Right <laughs> So much for survival of the fittest, I guess. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I, I started, um, you know, chicken, I can care less about. So I, I immediately cut that. Uh, fish, I was never a big, big fan of it. Uh, you know, white fish and whatnot. I ate enough tilapia as well that, uh, I mean, I <laughs> stomached it, but that oh, was about fish it. chicken. That's fish chicken to me, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly, more chicken. or less. That's the fish version of chicken. I'm like, come on. This is the real chicken of the sea. Sorry, Jessica Simpson. You are half right. So, yeah, I can get over to the mafia. Nice. Um, you know, and then, you know, beef, I, I, I really enjoyed beef, but I was like, you know, all the stuff I read, it was just, you know, red meat is bad, it's a devil, it's carcinogenic, and, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like, all right, well, I have to give that up if I'm going to, you know, go this plant-based route. So I gave that up. And I was just living off of eggs, more or less, as far as animal protein goes. But, you know, I went from that diet of, you know, beef twice a day, chicken twice a day, um, eggs twice a day, whey protein shakes twice a day, fish twice a day, you know, of course, you know, adding carbs with each and every meal. And like I said before, God forbid if you had a half an avocado or a handful of nuts, right? So it was just very low fat, high, uh, high protein, high carb. Um, you know, and I, I, I won a bunch of shows, and so obviously it was working for me aesthetically. But internally, I didn't get, unfortunately, I don't have the blood work to, to see how I was actually doing and if I could maintain that long term. But, um, you know, it's, it's a conversation for another day, I guess. But, um, you know, kind of making this transition. And then my mom, unfortunately, um, some timing issues and things with her treatments and a bunch of other things kind of happened. I'm sure she got, kind of got back into eating some of the foods that she, you know, come accustomed to. And unfortunately, passed away that September, uh, early September, September 3rd, as she passed. And this is kind of where it gets into me now as far as, you know, how I reacted to that. So it gets a little complicated because it's not just food-related. You know, and, and, you know, your question about uh, incorporating holistic fitness and holistic lifestyles into training, this kind of hits that, you know, kind of two birds, one stone here, in that it's not just nutrition. It's my whole lifestyle change. You know, I, I fell into a depression when my mom passed. I started eating. And for me, uh, I love sweets, you know, so for for me, you know, when you when somebody passes, you get those uh, you know vegetable trays, the nitrate-filled yeah. lunch meat trays. You get the cookie trays, the chocolate trays, and I was just going to town. And uh, you know, as, as much as I probably just used that as an excuse, that was pretty much like a three-year excuse. You know, I just uh, it just really really hit home and really trashed anything, uh, any physique goals I had. Um, you know, affected my my lifestyle, my businesses, uh, you know, things like that. So. It just it just kind of piled on, and but at the same time I was like, all right, well my mom's passed. I was angry at the meat industry. I was I was just pissed off at the government, the FDA, the Western medicine, you know, the whole chemotherapy, radiation type thing. And uh, I just you know, I was out for blood more or less. <laughs> and uh, so I, you know I was really eager into going vegan at that point in time. And I had watched you know Food Matters and Food Inc. All the documentaries out there that were that were out um, concerning you know more plant based and eat plant based and get rid of the meat and whatnot. So went that route. And from September to Christmas, 
it was okay. And I started feeling better a little bit, got, you know, getting over my mom's passing, or at least, you know, initial, initial shock of it all. And, uh, but I still wasn't feeling great. And that's kind of when I came upon Mike's website again. And I remember obviously with all his DVDs and the, and the free resources, you get your hormone optimization, uh, ebook, you know, basically I, I, you know, I've researched uh, some of the stuff that Mike had put out there, and he had an uh, interview with uh, John Himes that I think John was actually asking Mike how to, you know, how to succeed on a plant-based diet. Mm-hmm. And I found that, and I had also kind of started following John a little bit, and um, you know, with all the stuff that he does with Monkey Bar Gym, I think he was just on your show not too long ago. Yeah, yeah, about a month ago. He'll be back on in a few weeks, as a matter of fact. Yeah, John's a great guy. He uh, just his passion. Him and Jeff have great passion to help people out, and it just uh, as soon as you meet them, you can tell that they have that. It's phenomenal. And uh, so you know, I I saw this uh, this interview that they had together, and it, all of a sudden, you know, all my worries went away. I was like, oh, you know what? I can do this. I just you know, I wasn't eating the fats, and I was still in that stupid bodybuilding mindset of trying to get 30 grams of protein from beans at a serving, or 30 grams of protein from nuts in a serving, or you know, right? Um, God forbid, 30 grams of you know different protein powders and everything else that I was just trying to make up for this bodybuilding mentality that I had, and that was really really hurting me. And I just, you know, the emphasis off of eating uh, whole foods and instead just, you know, kind of saturating your body with, with foods that don't digest very well in that kind of quantity. So, right. you know, so I kind of, uh, you know, I, I read Mike's, uh, Mike's interview with John and that kind of hit home and I was like, all right, I can do this. And things got better. But unfortunately, it's just like, I'm, uh, for all the information that I read, I just started, you know, getting kind of engulfed or sucked into different tribes, you know, within the vegan tribe, there's the raw food community, there's the fruitarian community, there's the high fat, low the carb, lacto, the lacto ovos. Yeah, you, <laughs> you know, know yeah. there's so much in nutrition just in general. I mean, you have the paleo people, then you have yeah. the low carb people, then you have the South Beach diet people. I mean, nutrition is, <laughs> is like religion for so many people and people get really mad if oh you eat certain things on both sides. For example, I always get flack, you know, I've, I've been following a vegan diet well for a long time, but I'll get flack from vegans for not shoving the vegan diet down other people's throats. They're like, how come you're not just promoting it every time you open your mouth, right? And then, and then I'll get flack from meat eaters for following a vegan diet, right? So it's, it's one of those things where it's like, why do you eat that diet? You should know better. You're a hormone optimization guy, crap. So it's like you're, you're, you're kind of stuck in this island where it's like, look, guys, I know what works for me. So no one can tell me that it doesn't work for me, but I'm not going to tell everyone else what works for them because only you know what works for them. And that's the part that's really so asinine to me is when someone feels like crap on whatever diet it is, and then someone else is saying, well, you're, you're just not doing it right. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sometimes that's true, but, most, but that's not always the case. So you, you're following it to the T and you still feel like crap, whatever diet it is, whether it's paleo or vegan diet or whatever it is, and then you're, all of a sudden it's your fault that it's not working. And that's where I think people have to, we talk about this all the time on the show, is where you have to try things out, you experiment, and then eventually you come up with your own plan that you know works well for you, and then you can back it up with lab work and stuff like that so you know for sure. But even if you don't do any blood work, you know when you feel like crap. You know, right. If you wake up and you have no energy and you're weaker in the gym and you're putting on body fat and you just feel like crap, I mean, you don't have to do blood work to confirm that. You know it. Yeah, and if it's taking you four or five days to recover between workouts, there's a hint right there. But it's funny, <laughs> when, we talk, when we talk about tribalism with, with just diets, it's so funny to me because I'll have people, I've heard this over the years, since people have known that Mike and I have been friends, like, you know what, man, I, I have to say this, 
you know, Mike's pretty strong to be a vegan. I was like, you know, that's the equivalent of saying that since you're pretty smart to be a black guy. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, it's like, well, actually, guys, I'm, I'm like, strong, I'm like, really? Yeah, exactly. It's like, not because <laughs> you know, he's a vegan. It was because like, he's so a vegan. Come over and work out at any time, man. I always laugh at people saying it. It's like a clip of me pressing a 97-pound bell like 12 times. Oh, pretty strong for a vegan. It's like, well, where's the clip of you doing more, jack off? You know, <laughs> exactly. you know what I mean? It's like, it's always, that's the other thing sincere, isn't it? It's always someone who's like weaker or physically inferior that's trying to give you advice. You know, it's never someone who's strong and powerful because we all get it. You know, those of us that work out hard and we, whatever plan we follow, we, we know what it takes to get strong and powerful. We respect it when we see it with other people. So we don't go around telling people what they should or shouldn't be doing. But it's always some idiot who probably just started working out last month, read a book, thinks he's an expert now. And then making a comment on YouTube anonymously, of course. I know. Exactly. <laughs> a lot of credibility there, buddy. <laughs> oh. Well, this is kind of my coming out party, so I'm sure I'm going to get a lot of flack from my communities uh, when they when they hear this uh -oh. podcast. I'm like, oh, uh -oh Nate's you know, incorporating the next good, good for listeners for us. our world, man. We, we piss somebody off. We piss off a group of people each week, but you know what? We also we also gain more fans each week just from being so transparent because there's some people out there they want to hear the truth and the most of the people that don't want to hear the truth are the people that are lying to themselves. And yeah. so who are you to bring, like I said last week, like who are you to like make, it, make them aware that they're living in denial? It's like, screw you. you. You can't sit there and just make me feel crappy because I choose to feel crappy. Screw you, that's buddy. Why, that's why I take Sincere as the co-host because we can always pull the race card when nothing else works. We can always, you know what? <laughs> yeah, I was racist, man. All right. <laughs> <laughs> like fall by plan. I'm not sure if that's the one you want, but yeah, you know. <laughs> it's like no matter what the discussion is. You know what's wrong here? You're racist, man. That's what it is. <laughs> I totally, totally flipped the script. So, to, total tangent here, but I got to tell this story. It's like one time I was hanging out with Steve Maxwell. I'm sure you know who that is. And uh, we, were, we were just hanging out before a workshop in Santa Monica. And uh, we're just having a cup of coffee, and this, this lady walks up to both of us. And she's like, how does it feel to be a bunch of stone-faced killers? And we're like, what? I mean, I, I've lived in LA for a while, so I've come across quacks like this all the time. But Maxwell, Maxwell was just—he didn't know how to react. His facial expression was classic. And apparently, this lady thought we were some Marines or in the military or something like that. And we just got back, and that we're overseas killing innocents. You know, she's one of these super left-wing nutjobs. And eventually, she just started going on and on and on. And I, you know, I'm going to shut this lady up real fast. And I, and I was like, uh, you know what, lady? You know what your problem is? I was like, you're racist coming over here discriminating against me. Like, I was like, shame on I was like, shame on you. It's not the 1950s anymore. And she <laughs> it totally broke her pattern there. She had no idea how to react to that. She was just like, huh? <laughs> it was great, man. It's like uh, Tony Robbins has that whole thing, you know, breaking people's patterns. So when someone, let's say you're in a really heated argument, you just say something like totally out of context. I said, you know what, man? You look like you're constipated. You know? <laughs> I just got like, I'm going to kick your ass. I'm going to fuck you up. Like, I think you're constipated, man. I think a bread muffin would solve this problem right now. <laughs> you know? The person like, you have, you, have, you, have, you have no blueprint of how to react to someone in, within that context. So it just shuts them off. You know? When in doubt, pull the race car. Hey, it works with politicians all the time. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like for me, it's like I'm half white and my mother's from India. So I was like, all right, let me see what's useful in this situation. Is it better for me to be white right now or is it, <laughs> yeah, is exactly. it <laughs> trying to be something? Mike's <laughs> like, I have options. Good to have <laughs> options, exactly. At least we're trying to get on a plane. It's like, no, I'm white, man. Dad's from Montana. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, man. So, Nate, yeah, and we're back. See, it's okay to go on a tangent, as long as it's entertaining. <laughs> People like tangents. Yeah, I think at this point in time, you know, it was just um, I, I kind of got back into um, all the research I was doing just, you know, led me to all these different tribes like we just talked about. And, you know, it's just it's overwhelming. And, you know, we should really, even with not just the, the civil war within the vegans and the plant-based people, but, you know, the civil war between eating whole foods. So whether that's paleo or Mediterranean diet or vegan diet or whatever, it's like, you know, we need to start – coming together and, and fighting the, you know, the, the big nasties of Monsanto and those, you know, those types of corporations in order to right. get ahead in this world and really, truly help people. But, um, so, you know, I, I, I like I said, I, I dabbled into a little fruitarianism. I did that for four months. And it, it's always funny because, like, no matter what diet you try for the first little bit, at least I found, no matter what diet I tried, I felt great for the initial, you know, like, I don't know, three, four weeks. And I was like, ah, you know what, this is it. I'm, I'm on my road to recovery type thing. And, but it just, uh, you know, I, I kept doing lab work, and that's really the teller, the, you know, telltale sign is, is if you're not feeling well, like you said, Mike, and then, you know, you get your lab work, and, it, you know, it just tells you you're low in zinc or something like that. And it's like, well, <laughs> you know, there's some issues going on here that i got to make sure I either supplement or try to get some whole foods. And um, so I'm going to kind of make a long story short. I mean, I, I just wasn't feeling great. And, I, you know, you also kind of alluded to it in that I, I did this for like four and a half years. Like I really don't want to eat meat. And I still don't really want to eat meat or animal products. I, I have cats and I just kind of, ever since I went vegan, I was kind of like, I don't know, I've all of a sudden become in, more in tune with them or something. I don't know. But like, God forbid, I, I want to eat an egg or something. Like that's a potential life. <laughs> you know, I'm just uh, going crazy with that kind of thing. But um, so bringing eggs back into my diet was kind of the initial, and I went to school for holistic nutrition, and, and what I heard was most people would go into that school, whatever kind of diet they went into, and came out with vegetarian or vegan. So I was like, oh, I already got that covered. But I went in, and actually the more I learned, and, and which was great about the body systems, but you know, it also sparked more learning on the outside of school where I'm getting into more of like uh, nutrigenomics, which is the study of nutrition and, and genetics. And and, uh, you know, I did my, my 23andMe test before the FDA came in and kind of put a clamp on that and found a bunch of things that, you know, things that I, I kind of anticipated, like cancer being in my, in, more so in my genes than probably the next person. But again, whatever your genes are, that's just the gun. Um, you know, our lifestyles predict more or less if we pull the trigger or not. Right. And, uh, you know, kind of seeing that I was also falling in a percentage of being uh, highly sensitive to gluten. And I didn't know anything about my biological father's um, upbringing, so that was kind of nice to, to kind of see where, where all my ancestry came from with that test, that genetic test. And when I found that out about gluten, I was like, well, it doesn't really pertain to me because you know, I've been vegan now for about four years, eating grains and, and things like that, and, and never really had an issue that I knew of. And I went to school, like I said, for holistic nutrition. I didn't have any of the symptoms that... Uh, that typically appear when somebody's either sensitive or, or whatnot or allergic to grains. And, uh, you know, so I was like, well, that's, you know, that's kind of BS or maybe that's just not true. And then I got stressed at the end of school with, um, you know, writing up your 14, 15 case studies and studying through board exams. And I'm sure my immune system was, you know, taking a hit type thing. And I didn't have a whole lot of time to cook. So I was kind of relying on, we have a little burrito place above my condo here. So I was, I was going down there a lot to, to make up for some meals. So, you know, it started out like one or two times a week. Then it went to like one one time a day. And then there was a time period there where it was like twice a day just for the sake of convenience. And, you know, rice and bean burrito, but we're on a quote-unquote whole wheat wrap. And uh, all of a sudden at nighttime, I started getting mucus in my throat and my eyes were watering. I couldn't breathe and, you know, itchy, itchy skin. And, you know, at first I thought I was getting sick or whatnot and the flu. And 
but never came on. So, you know, being in school, obviously I realized that this is definitely a food allergy or a food sensitivity more so. And cut out the burritos, and sure enough, within three days, I was I was good. So it was kind of like, all right, well, that's gluten, that's 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 expected, you know. So I'm still okay with my quinoas and my buckwheats, and so you know, I took my exams, and after about a couple of weeks of uh, after that, you know, my immune system obviously is, is repaired because I'm you know not stressed anymore. And a bunch of friends and I go to the movie theater. After the movie, they're like, well, let's go get some beef. Let's go get a burrito. <laughs> so I was like, well, all right, let's try it. So. We head in there, and sure enough, halfway through my burrito, I start getting these symptoms back again. Not nearly as, as intense, but I could feel like the mucus. I started to clear my throat more, and I was like, okay, well, that's, that definitely confirmed my, my suspicion. And, okay, maybe my genetic test is kind of right. So I thought, well, you know, I'm going to do a little, uh, a little test here. So it took three days and, and didn't have any uh, – actually, I kind of got off of all grains. Just, I don't know, it was just something I was trying with living on beans and nuts and, and tons of vegetables and fruit. And I was doing all right, but uh, that wasn't going to be a long-term diet. I knew that. But I wanted to do this test. And what I did was, after about a month, I started incorporating, I made actually, I think, Mike, it was your, um, your quinoa hemp seed meals that you have on some of your older posts. And so I made that up. And, um, you know, I, I think the first day I had one serving of it. And the second day, I believe I had two. And honestly, at the end of that second serving, here come those symptoms again. I'm like, wait a minute. Well, quinoa is supposed to be a gluten-free grain, right? So after a little bit of research, and, you know, sure enough, there's some research out there that shows that, uh, you know, obviously these gluten-free grains may not be 100% gluten-free or at least gluten-free, and it depends on how sensitive you are and if a person's lifestyle is, is not great, you could potentially be susceptible to feeling the same kind of symptoms. So Yeah, and a lot of times they're processed at grain. Exactly, cross-pollinated. Well, yeah, exactly. So there's some exactly, yeah. But there's also some anti-nutrient properties in quinoa and, and some of the other ancient grains that could be problematic for anyone who wants to lose yeah. And I mean, I, I soak them and spread them as well and, you know, and then cook them. So, I mean, I was trying to do the best right. to make them mm-hmm. easily digestible. But obviously, you know, like you said, there's some there's hybrid, or hybridization going on there. So. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, with that new knowledge, I was like, well, you know, long-term effects of that, you know, obviously leaky gut, autoimmune disease, if it's, uh, if it's really... Uh, intense, so I, I want to try and stay away from that. And so, as well, you know, if I'm if I'm you know suffering from this, or if I have the potential to to have these issues, and I'm not eating meat, you know, where am I really going to get my protein from? I hate that question. I know we all get it, but uh, so I was just like, well, you know, I'm going to try this. And like I said, my blood test, you know, came back, and I was uh, low in zinc. Um, I don't actually I found out from my genetic test. I don't um, my methylation process is a little bit weak. I need to eat a little more sulfur, so garlic and onions and things like that. So I was having a tough time actually incorporating garlic and onions on the vegan diet, which is just my own fault. That's like you know, I'm not trying to say that's a, a fault of the vegan diet by any means. It's just my own fault for not including them. But uh, when I was eating a lot of eggs, and like I said, during the bodybuilding time, I used to love putting like onions in my eggs and, and garlic and, and a bunch of different things. So as it turned out, when I started eating eggs again, all of a sudden my garlic and onion consumption went up. So I immediately right. started feeling better, right? Uh, more sources of zinc. So I started feeling better when I first wake up in the morning, you know, like zinc for the dink. So I'm, I'm starting to feel a little better uh, sexually and whatnot. And my hormones are obviously, uh, I did my cortisol test and things like that. And I was a little bit low after my mom passed, but, um, you know, I kind of I corrected that with the help of the naturopath. And and obviously, you know, whole food nutrition and, and sleep and, and, uh, and making sure I'm taking care of myself. Now, Nate, were you taking any zinc supplementation at the time or were you, or any supplementation in general or were you not taking any vitamins and minerals? 
No, I've always, um, I've always taken zinc, even from my, my bodybuilding days, you know, the whole ZMA stack type thing. And then right. uh, I got away from that and just took uh, zinc and magnesium, which is basically the same thing, but I took them separately right. and made sure they're higher quality. Because um, it's a pretty common deficiency on pretty much, because I look at a lot of lab work, and zinc yeah. and magnesium are both pretty common deficiencies in hard training people. You need to sweat out so much, you're under a lot of stress. So I'm just yep. curious. Yeah. Yeah, stress, I mean, the stress is killer. I mean, during that time, I didn't really get into it, but I, um, I was hired to design and, and construct a 30,000-square-foot wellness facility. Mm. So I pretty much, you know, half of it was like your typical, I think it's LA Fitness, that where you are, good life where I am, um, you know, okay. kind of machine, bodybuilding stuff. And the other half of that facility, or other, I guess, third of it was uh, a racket and squash club. And then we had the, all the bells and whistles of a strength and conditioning facility. So it was, uh, it was stressful. <laughs> And I had given up my pretty much my uh, in-person clientele to, to go do that. And then, unfortunately, within about a year and a half of opening, um, a real estate investment company bought out our current real estate investment company that I was, I was in and didn't see eye to eye with what I was trying to accomplish and basically let go of my team and I. So, you know, tr- just getting over some of the stuff with my mom and, and getting over some of the injuries and things like that that kind of occurred, and then that happened. It was just, you know, more and more stress and and, you know, more depletion of vitamin C and magnesium and Bs and things like that that obviously uh, help boost your immune system and deal with times of stress. So, and like I said earlier, when stress hits, for me, it's it's a sweet tooth thing, you know. So, obviously, um, being on, on, you know, even though it's vegan, it's still sugar, <laughs> you know, and, and clogging up my digestive system, which, uh, you know, doesn't uh, doesn't help for any kind of fat loss purposes, doesn't help for anything, really. I mean, right. it starts in the gut anyway. Right, so. right. It was just, you know, it's just one big vicious cycle, and that's, you know, it's kind of what the, your second question is about, you know, being holistic. It's it's not just about nutrition. It's not just about training, you know, and I think, Mike, you have a couple chapters in your book about, uh, you know, mood and, and deciding if you want to be happy or not and how to go about doing right. that. You know, there's so many no things doubt. like that that take into effect, or you have to take into account that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, are happening in somebody's lifestyle, they're stressed at work, how's that going to affect their nutrition, you know, today? Whereas it may right. be different a month from now when they're not so much stressed. So, you know, again, right. it kind of gets really far away from that food tribalism, you know, stuff that we were talking about earlier. And that there is no really one diet. I mean, and what I like about, I think since you mentioned this, maybe, maybe it was in the, the podcast with John or maybe James Wilkes, but I like, I like what you said. Like sometimes you just wake up and you're like, you know what? I'm not eating meat today. <laughs> right. You know, and you just like, I'm, I'm, I mean, you're plant-based today. There's no rhyme or reason. You just yeah. You yesterday was like one of those days. <laughs> yeah, you just do it. You know. So I think that's kind of where I'm at. Somebody said, "Oh, you're going to be paleo now." I'm like, "No, no, no. It's not about being paleo. I'm not going to jump one side to another." <laughs> like, do we have to have like a definition of whatever? I mean, dude, it's just how I feel today. I don't have to put a, a stamp on it or something like that. Yeah. I think it's so crazy. Everybody needs to have some type of identification. They have to have some type of some kind of title for whatever they do. Just do it. Just do it. Yeah, and don't expect anything. It's kind of funny, too, because a lot of people eat just meat, vegetables, and fruit long before they ever heard of paleo. And all of a sudden, those people are now, it's like, oh, you do paleo. It's like, no, I was no, doing I, I eat. <laughs> yeah, I eat. Exactly. <laughs> Come on, no, this is what my parents call eating. No, no labels or anything like that. That's why I laugh. I'm like, oh, this is organic. My, my grandma looks at this stuff. She's like, oh, that's food. What, are you, what, is, what, is this, what is this organic stuff you kids keep talking about? I'm like, you know what? It's just marketing. It's trying to separate you know, what's left as food compared to what's being produced as crap. And that's what it is. Yeah. And that goes back to what you were saying about everybody, you know, tribalism. 
and I, Mike and I talked about this a few shows back. I wish more people put their energy into fighting the real problem, and that's for the people who are trying to take all aspects of our food and no longer make it food. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if you're vegan, if you're vegetarian, if you're an omnivore, if you're paleo, hell, if you're a green-eyed monster that come from Mars. This, at the end of the day, it's like if they're putting crap on our food, whether it's pesticides on your fruits and vegetables, or if they're just pumping up all your meat with all kinds of hormones or whatever, it doesn't matter what team you're playing on right now. You're all on the losing team. Everybody has a losing season. Everybody looks like my Houston Texans this year in football. You're, you, you're losing, and everybody's <laughs> turning against you. So it doesn't even matter. So, again, we're putting our energies in the wrong place. I wish we could really just flip that around and just go after where the real heart of the matter is, where the real BS that's going on is happening. It's not about how you're eating. It's like what you're eating and who's doing it to you. And yeah, what are you going to do about it? Yeah, exactly. Even with animal suffering, I mean, you can get rid of you know, 80 90% of animal suffering just by shutting down factory farms, just by exactly. yeah, exactly. moving away from that business model, because really that's, that's the majority of animal suffering right there. And I think that's what really horrifies people to stop eating meat is when they see that. Right. But not that, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't eat meat even if it were still killed humanely. That's just my personal thing. But I would like to see that model because I understand not everyone's going to want to do what I do and not everyone's going to feel great doing what I do. But if we could move away from this whole factory farming thing, that would get rid of so much animal suffering. And it, it, seems, like the, it seems like a reasonable focus that everyone can galvanize around as opposed to like what Sincere said. You're so focused on these different extreme fringes that you miss the big picture Meanwhile, companies like Monsanto are laughing at everybody because like, while you guys are all fighting among yourselves, we're just going to take over the whole food supply. Ha-ha. Exactly. And I think uh, it's one thing that um, I was talking to a friend about this. And, of course, I know I have people probably in the vegan, the diehard vegan tribes who are going to come after me for saying this, but, okay, whatever. Here's my thing. For those of that do eat meat, I think everyone that chooses to eat meat should go out and actually have to hunt and kill their food once in their life. Because I think the real problem is we're so far removed from the actual production and where our food comes from that we don't give a damn. You know, therefore, the factory farms, people think like, well, you know, it's just what it is because they're not actually seeing what's happening. And like Mike said, right. they actually watch these video clips and then all of a sudden they're ready to just drop me completely when they see how, how Kentucky Fried Chicken gets their chickens and what they do to baby chicks and things like that. But I think if you actually had to go, if you want to go paleo, go out and hunt your food. Go, if you want to be extreme with your paleo, go hunt your own food. Don't get it from whatever company decides to jump on the marketing, paleo marketing bandwagon, and that's all they're selling is paleo meat, and they're putting the word paleo in the name of their company just to kind of catch your eye and your attention to make you feel a little bit about where your food is coming from. If you really want to go all out, go kill something. Go fish. Go fishing. Get your own fish for once. Actually, get into the process of actually having to be in the moment with that life that you're taking. And then you'll appreciate that. I'll put it this way. I'm pretty sure if you actually had to go out and kill and hunt your own food and fish for your own food, you wouldn't consume as much. You would really cut back. You wouldn't sit there and go through a buffet and spend all day <laughs> there just going through every, every last piece of meat they had on the table. You would actually think a little bit more because at the end of the day, as you're taking that bite, yeah, you're doing it to survive as well. And, yes, there are other alternatives, but you chose this way to survive. But you will also, every time you take that bite, you'll remember. you remember those eyes looking at you. you remember looking at that animal. And you'll be a little bit more in the moment, and you won't be as greedy and want to just wolf down four or five burgers in one day at that point. I'm pretty sure and if you have any bit of, a, bit of a soul in you, then you'll definitely feel that way. So like I, said, I think when we point, become a little bit more connected. I mean, 
Yeah, exactly. it's a life, and we'll become, we're become we're so disconnected, not just with animal life, but just with human life at this point. Because even right. we're just we're just as cruel. We we're just as cruel with each other emotionally and, and everything else, just as we are physically with these animals. We're like that with each other, and that's the reason why we have so much conflict going on and wars going on, and no one's trying to understand and respect each other. Because again, when something's happened over in the Middle East, and I'm here in Texas, people are thinking like, well. They don't see it out of sight, out of mind, disconnected from it. So, therefore, the, the, a lot of times we don't understand and empathize with what's going on. So, right. you know, we just have this, this – in a world that we're so connected, we're so disconnected. That's what's happening right now. We're all on the Internet and we're all on social media, but nobody's being social. Nobody's giving a damn. Everybody just wants to pop, show a little meme of the day with a little fitness quote showing some little – greasy, shiny fitness model, <laughs> you know, and, and okay. then now they're playing on your body image issues. So right, they're let's, just start, let's start naming names here. Let's be more specific. Bam. So, so this person's page, second of all, this person, oh, look at this picture. <laughs> I mean, every post they post is like a meme, you know, of themselves yeah. with some fitness quote. You know, yeah, that may inspire some folks. But again, it also is this, it's one of the things like, you know, Nate and I were talking about like holistic um, coaching. You start really, you start instead of peeling back these layers, you're actually adding more layers that way because, yeah, it may be inspiring for about five minutes, but then you realize, shh, man, I, I can't look like that. I, I can't, there's no telling what, she's probably born that way. She, she was looking like that all the time, so it's easy for her to get up there half naked and greased up and, and all flexing her muscles or whatever, even though, yeah, she may train hard, but we also don't know exactly what type of dieting she did before that photo shoot. That's another thing. And, but you know, Nate, Nate, and I both, Nate and I both have done fitness modeling. And, yeah. we, like, and I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, like, oh, are you, so you said I can get more vascular before the shoot if I drink wine about an hour or two before that? Hell yeah, sign me up. Bring that bottle of wine so I can get more vascular. <laughs> and everybody's thinking you're all pumped up, you just came from the gym. Like, no, I just had a bottle of Cabernet. <laughs> okay, but those, those are things they don't understand when they look at these pictures. They don't know the story behind these photos. And so, again, yeah. they look drunk at the photo shoot. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that glazed eyes. Oh, oh, yeah. all that. Yeah. That, that, that That's makes, why those makeup artists are making all that money to hide those bags under your eyes after drinking that wine <laughs> to get all vascular. Uh, you bring up a lot of good points, though, and it makes me think about people that are online bullies or people that just like to mess with people online because you, yeah. you don't actually see that person's reaction. You know, it's one thing to do it anonymously online, but if you're actually face to face with someone, and let's say you say something really hurtful and you, and you see the reaction in that person. Most of us are going to have a hard time with that. Even someone who's a total jack-off online is probably going to think, you know what, this, this is not that great. I mean, some people are not going to care. They're going to be totally callous. Are they going to get off of that? I'm, I'm not delusional. I mean, a lot of people right. are going to be that way. But I don't, I don't think it will be as, as many with the whole thing. So what, the more disconnected you are, the more it's easier to just lie to yourself and just keep going down this path of oblivion. Yeah, it's funny. I just posted something on my on my personal Facebook page about that. Actually, last week, and I was just like, you know, what if people were as brave in real life as they are on, on social media? <laughs> yeah. And, and oh, it's so yeah. funny. And, you know, people started coming in like, yeah, you know what? Things will go. I mean, one of the funniest comments was um, Jay, a- Jay Ashman. <laughs> He's like, yeah, it'll be back to the Stone Ages and somebody, or at least the Crusades. <laughs> you know? And then one of my boys said, yeah, it'd be a lot more ass whoopings if that would occur. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, I mean, just people just say things without even thinking. And I, and what maybe what prompted me to actually post that I was reading someone else's page and I just saw some of the most asinine comments, some of the the cruelest things ever. And to the point where it's kind of pissing me off for that person. I was like, right, okay, who, right. how dare you? Like, dude, you don't even know this dude. How can you say something like that and just be so 
and bold. And then it was like four or five people, and it just kept going on and on and on. And then it, it started getting really personal. They started saying things about this dude's parents. I'm like, okay, see, at that point, I, I, I'd have to go find them. Okay, I'd have to well, I, I feel bad for a lot of women in our industry because yeah. there's a lot of women who, who are good-looking women, but they, they want to be taken seriously professionally, so they, they downplay their sexuality. You know, they're not wearing bikinis in the kitchen cooking a meal. They're trying to be as professional as possible. And then you look at the YouTube comments, and it's still like, oh, I'd love to tap that. Oh, I want to get her over that chair and so forth. And it's like, man, it's like, where, where are you? You got that from that? Get out there in the real world and get some real action more, man, okay? Because you shouldn't <laughs> have to look at a clip of a of a lady wearing, you know, like a medical outfit sitting behind her desk, you know, talking about how to eat properly, and then that's what you're extrapolating from it. And would you say that to her in that office in her face, right? Yeah, now? exactly. You go in there it's like, oh I look to tap in. Hey girl, like Hey, girl, I like the way you wear those scrubs. I tap that ass across the desk right now. <laughs> Guess what? Guess me is, uh, you know, going with what we're talking about, you know, the Richard Sherman thing that just happened on the weekend. Obviously. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he just, just finished up that. a game, probably like one of the biggest plays of his life. I mean, <laughs> at least the grand stage of things, I guess, right, with what's on the line. And, you know, within two seconds, he's got a microphone in his face. He's amped up. Him and, you know, Crabtree have an issue together, whether, you know, we know where it is or not and whether it's, you know, whatever it's about, who cares, who knows. But, you know, he goes off, and, of course, Richard is a – I mean, I, I know a little bit of his backstory. He's a pretty smart dude from Stanford and does a lot for the community, does an awful mm-hmm. lot for the community. But that's not what they focused on. That's like, not what you know, they focused look at this, on. Look at this angry thug, you know, the dread exactly. guy with this thug on the football field, and he's, and he's very unsportsmanlike, and he needs to show some class. My thing is, this is football. It's a contact sport. I mean, first of all, do you talk about Tom Brady? I mean, you talk about somebody that talks a lot of trash on the field. But, yeah. And he's the poster boy for the NFL. Nobody says anything. So they pick it. Also, this is the media we're talking about, Nate. So, of course, they got to pick and choose some kind of story to hype it. I mean, do you really – in their mind, thing like, do people really want to hear about any good things that are coming from a contact sport or something like that? you got to pull out the drama. And, and that's what they did with Richard Sherman. They try to make him seem like he's this uneducated street thug that's out there on the football field. Like, this dude has, I believe, like a master's or something like that from Stanford. And, again, like you say, he does a lot for the community, but they didn't want to – nobody wants to talk about that. They just want to talk about this guy who was amped up on the microphone. He told him, like, pretty much, I'm the best in the league. I'm the best corner in the league. Okay, what's wrong with being very confident about yourself, especially if you show and prove that? Okay, if you can show and prove it, then yeah. So you have that. Like so we talk about Ronda Rousey, Mike. We we have split emotions yeah. about Ronda, and but the thing is, she's confident, and she shows how good she is every freaking fight. Now, of course, every dog is going to have their day, but at this point, she's whooping everyone's ass. She's breaking everyone's arm, and she's done it seven times in a row. So again, people get they mix up arrogance and confidence. It's okay. People, if somebody's been busting, what they don't think about is how much, how much time this dude's put into being a great cornerback in the NFL. He's been doing this since he was a kid, and he's been working hard at it. Michael Jordan can sit there and get up in someone's grill back in the day because he put in the work in the off time. When everybody else was out buying their cars and partying, going to the clubs and knocking up women on the side and all that in the NBA, this dude was busting his ass on that court, getting better. He never sat on his laurels. So... He earned that right to sit there and he can get in someone's face really quick. Hey, you're emotional. It's an, it's an emotional game. And we That's can do the, the same right thing. There. That's the thing okay. right there. Like Dale Hart, a good friend of mine, a good friend of ours, actually, who came on the show a while back. He's a he's former UFC fighter. He's like, look, after you win a fight, he's like, you think you're the baddest guy in the world. He's like, That's your feeling. You're so amped up. Right. You know, you're going to say all kinds of things that you may look back later and go, man, what was I thinking? Because you're. 
you just got you just got into a cage in a fist fight in front of twenty thousand people and you won. And let's say you won in decisive fashion. Of course, you're going to be totally amped up. So when that microphone gets in your face, you, you may say something that seems totally outlandish. But the average person who is, you know, I, I was about to say, <laughs> I was about to pull Sears line up. We're you know, working at Home Depot. I just caught my stomach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I missed you. Right you got any flags for that one? Yeah, I, I was about to say, you know, like the UPS guy, but I, I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to diminish those jobs. But you know, nope. the, the, the nope. point I'm trying to make is the average person doesn't get that feeling a testimonial for a product, and then I have that same feeling of, man, I'm the baddest guy in the world, you know? But so, so I think the average person can't relate to that. They can't relate to, let's say, an actor who just won an Academy Awards or the football player we're talking about or the UFC champion because they're not going to experience that exuberation in their life at any point. So, so it's easy to sit on the sidelines and look at that person and go, oh, that person's this, that person's that. It's like, yeah, it's easy for you to say that. You know, kicking back with your popcorn and diet coke, and you know, that's exactly my point. Because you know, with Richard Sherman, I mean, he got he pretty much got torn up on Twitter with, um, you know, I think he continued the whole argument against Crabtree afterward. But I mean, he got torn up with you know tons of racist remarks against him from people who, you know, obviously, like you said earlier, are you going to say that when you see him? Especially you know, Richard Sherman. Like, would you even? I'd be scared to say hello to the guy sometimes. You know, I'm like, are you in a good mood? Now the internet shows people. You know the internet shows how racist people still really are. You know people always oh, like to say true. things have changed a lot, and they have. Things have changed quite a bit. But I think what's happened now is racism has become a lot more subtle, where you it's know, not going to be in your question. face in person, but it's going to be way more on the internet. Now, now all of a sudden that you know these could, these could be people that live next door to you who are like, hey, sincere, how you doing today, buddy? And then they get in, they go inside their house and get on YouTube Probably and a watch a Beyonce video, and they're like, N-bomb, 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 N-bomb. But then they'll see me like, well, sincere's different. <laughs> he's not You're one only of them. half black, right? <laughs> he's not one of them. I mean, he's, oh, he's Jamaican. Cool That's different. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, oh, it takes me back to that scene and do the right thing, man. And and Spike Lee was asking, um, um, not um, John Turturro, but Nick. I can't remember. Oh, Danny, I yelled at somebody. And so he's like, dude, why are you always saying the N word? Why are you always saying? It? He's like, you like Michael Jordan? That's different. What about Michael Jackson? That's different. Prince, come on, man, that's different. He's like, no, they're all black. He's like, they're not black. They're just different. I'm like, what the hell are you oh saying right now? But then again, you look back at Michael Jackson. That was a little confusing. I can understand <laughs> how that could be a little confusing. <laughs> All joking aside. But yeah, man, it's just so weird. And it's just funny. I was just having this discussion with a friend of mine how racism now is just it's subtle, it's hidden, and it's, it's different now. Because I just saw 12, 12 Years a Slave this past weekend. And my wife, I mean, this is something pretty much, if you're not growing up in that culture, and where you've been affected some way somehow by slavery as far as your, your just to say your family origins. You know, and this goes not just with those, not, not just against black people, but also even for those who are descendants of slave owners, they're affected just as much because those are the ones that are going to be like, they'll see a movie like that, I'm so sorry for what we did to you. I'm like, you didn't do shit to me. <laughs> I'm like, I'm good. I'm free. I'm good. <laughs> it's about, dude, you don't have to feel guilty about somebody else's crimes and sins. The thing is, as long as you're doing better than they did, you're okay. Don't, don't apologize for that. So just, just, Here's the thing you can do. This is how you can make up for it. Be a better person than that person. Even, and don't try to use an excuse like, this is how it's always been in my family. Don't be that guy. 
So, and the same goes for my folks. It's like, let it go. My thing is, don't forget, but let it go. Don't hold on to that crutch and, and use that as a badge of honor. Like, my people are slaves, so you, need, you owe me this, you owe me that. No, nobody owes you shit. Pardon my French. To my, you owe it to yourself to do it yourself and be better. And you owe it for all those that died back then to be a better person and to move on and to make advancement so that doesn't happen again. And while I was trying to explain to one of my buddies, it's like, Here's where slavery has changed now. Now slavery is an equal opportunity employer. It doesn't care what color you are. Now yep. it's about financial and mental slavery, and it's playing upon people's emotions. It's playing upon, it's getting you with your food. So now it's taking you, it's a different type of slavery with your health, with your finances, with your social position and all that. And guess what? It doesn't care what color you are anymore. It doesn't care. This is a have and have not, which is, that's how it was back then, but now it's a broader scope of that. But the thing is, most of people are locked mentally. They're, they're hanging on to all these crutches, all this pain. Just like, um, like Nate was saying, you know, just, just, just through that pain, you know, he, he went and he was like, he would go to sweets and things like that. For me, when my grandfather, who raised me, when he died of cancer seven years ago, one of the things was I started having panic attacks. I started having panic attacks. But then there was a wake-up call. Then I know some people that use that as a crutch. I've heard people with that say like, well, you know, I don't want to do that because I'll get panic attacks. Whereas I was like, you know what, i got to find out what the hell's going on so I don't have panic attacks again. Because guess what, those things suck. <laughs> those things suck major ass, and I had to figure out what was going on. So I was looking at the way I was eating. I was looking at the stress, looking at all these different aspects of, that were happening to me at that time, and I had to make some corrections. I had to get some things going. I could have easily held on to that. Well, you know, I'm like this because, you know, my dad died of cancer. I'm like this because I have panic attacks. And, I mean, I know people say, oh, I do, you know, the reason why I don't do this is because I have ADD. Shut the hell up with that. It's like I hear excuses and crutches. And so that's a different type of slavery right there when we start hanging on to all these excuses and we start hanging on all these things that have happened to us. Like, look, a lot of times, I've said this a million times, you're not responsible for the things that happen to you, but you are responsible for what you do about it going forward. And that's the thing. So that, like I said, it's a whole new type of slavery and racism going on right here. And now it's like a race now for your health and, and your mental clarity. It's not even about color anymore. So that is me moving the soapbox to the side and getting back to Nate. That was my review of 12 years of slave. <laughs> <laughs> well, a good segue, what you just said is, you know, it, it relates to genes. You know, you're, you're given your genetic, you know, your code for the most part. And, you know, it's up to you. If you are going to, if you have cancer genes, are you going to live a lifestyle that's going to promote, you know, cancer growth? Or are you going to live a lifestyle that is healthy and, and, you know, do the best you can to negate that, you know. So it's, uh, you know, it's truly a holistic approach. It's not just uh, nutrition, although nutrition plays a huge part. But, uh, you know, sleep, and like Mike has, has said over and over and over again with his hormone lectures, you know, if you're not getting sleep, you know, you're not going to have, um, you know, optimized hormones. Exactly. So, Nate, um, I know you've trained clients from a broad spectrum from people that were getting into fitness competitions all the way to, just the average, and I hate saying average sometimes, but just the typical everyday mom and dad who are just trying to get their lifestyles back together. What is like one of the common denominators you see for both? Because a lot of times folks will look at, let's say, a fitness competitor or something like that, and they'll look and see that you're training them. And if there's someone who just works a nine to five every day, they may think like, well, if he's training them, then I'm probably, I'm probably nowhere in the league where he could coach me. But a lot of times we realize that it doesn't matter which end of the spectrum they're on. They, they, a lot of times they share that same common denominator or a few of them. Like what are the typical common denominators you see between both aspects of clients, whether they're a high-level athlete or the mom and dad who's just trying to just get a more healthier lifestyle and a better life? 
assuming like what the differences or what are the same? Yeah, the common denominator that both that brings both of them like there's really no difference in certain aspects. Right. Because a lot of times well, they kind of see that they're different than each other, and sometimes the athlete might try to put themselves above that average person. Well, I'm not like him because I do this, this, and this. And then you have the average person is like, well, I can't be this person because look at him. There's no way I could do that. So, Nate, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to waste your time by trying to, you know, hire you. Right. I mean, we all kind of suffer from the same things. And whether you're an athlete, high-level athlete, you're, you know, a 9-to-5, or you're a housewife, whatever it may be. And, you know, it's, sleep is something that nobody, we're always stuck to our, our electronics and, and, you know, we're in bed and we're reading our iPods and iPads and everything else and, and just getting that blue light into our brains that's just affecting us and affecting our sleep and, and our, our way of thinking. And, and I think that goes with everybody, whether it doesn't matter what, uh, what group you come from. And I think once we get sleep under control, it's so funny because when I was a trainer, I was always like, oh, you know what, nutrition is like 95% of the game. And then I became a nutritionist. And I'm like, you know what, sleep's 95% of the game. <laughs> <laughs> and so I think, you know, between nutrition of just eating whole foods and getting away from the processed and the toxic crap and, uh, you know, getting some sleep. I think a lot of people, no matter what uh, walk of life you come from, are going to benefit um, greatly from that. As far as, you know, I guess differences, uh, you know, as far as training goes, it's just basically you break it down into, into you know, how they move. And, and I know, you know, since you're a big uh, fan of movement and, um, and, and, you know, breaking it down to its, its bare minimum and kind of like, you know, if somebody has, you know, dysfunctions or asymmetries and, and correcting that. And, again, it doesn't matter if you're an athlete or, you know, like most of my athletes come to me and they're broke. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, you know, it's no different than my, my nine-to-fivers who come to me with tight hamstrings and tight little backs. It's, you know, okay, yeah, I can, I can probably predict what they're coming to me with. But, you know, the athletes are no different. We just break it down. And if I have athletes who are doing body weight squats before they can, you know, obviously get back to doing what they, you know, what they can, <laughs> lifting a house or something like that. But, you know, people who come in the nine to fivers who see that and they're like, oh, wait a minute, I've I seen this guy on weekends or I see this guy in the local whatever, whatever sport he plays. And he's, you know, I, I squat more than him. Like, what's the deal? And it kind of brings them down to reality of like, all right, well, everybody has to be broken down to correct things. And then we right. build from there. Um, and I, I, most people don't understand that. They just kind of go in and obviously guys are worse because they go in, they have an ego and, you know, like, oh, nay, I can, I can squat 225. And it's like, well, how is that one inch squat going? You know, I wish <laughs> <laughs> that knee dip on a Smith machine going. You know? so it's, it's kind of funny. It's, it's comical, but at the same time, you know, if you can get to them and, and make them understand, that's why I like training women because they, they basically want to listen to you and they want to learn and they don't really have as much ego, I guess, in the gym as far as how much weight they push. Right. And same with kids, you know, like kids and women are kind of like my ideal clientele, but I think that answered your question. Is I kind of get better? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Now, what is your training like these days? Oh, man. So I'm just getting back, thankfully, in uh, November. I was just getting back to doing some handstands and uh, Olympic lifting. I, um, during my whole, like, you know, ups and downs of, of feeling good and feeling bad and my adrenal issues, I had um, I'd trained with John for a week in Chicago, and then I went up and trained with uh, Ido Portal, which I'm pretty sure my students oh, yeah. probably know him. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think he, um, he opened up a lot of doors for me, and, and especially during a time where I was so tired of doing, you know, bodybuilding for so long, and uh, I was just looking for something new, like aching for something new. So I was doing some bodyweight training every other day, and then on the other days I was Olympic lifting. I, we have a great coach here, and actually two great coaches here in Toronto. Uh, Brian Marshall is um, uh, an Ontario champion, and we have uh, Alex Barbanov, who is, I believe, a bronze medalist from the Seoul Olympics. 
Yeah, and he and, trains with um, the – is he at Academy of Lions? Is he coaching? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So that's where I was training for a while, and unfortunately, I had uh, a knee injury. My meniscus, my medial meniscus, uh, shifted on me, and uh, kind of, I don't know. I guess I couldn't get down to a deep squat for quite a while, and that's uh, finally getting better. And then I uh, actually broke uh, the small, I guess, uh, hairline fracture in my scaphoid bone in my thumb. So I pretty much negated anything I wanted to do body weight wise as far as handstands and planche and things like that that I was trying to work on. So mm-hmm. anyway, long story short, <laughs> I was uh, back to bodybuilding for a while just to stay fit. And uh, since November, I've been able to get back uh, to doing some of these things. So it's uh, it's kind of uh, I have a new found love for the gym or at least for training again, which is great. Awesome, man. I guess one more question that I want to ask, because I know a lot of times when I speak to coaches in Canada, they talk about, and this is a business aspect here, this is a business question, they speak about how tough it is to be a fitness professional in Canada with all the regulations and things like that. I see a lot of Canadian coaches actually end up moving to the U.S. or trying to get business from the U.S. because there's just so much, so many, so much red tape to go through and in Canada. How, did, how has it worked for you as being a fitness professional in Canada throughout these years and to be successful and, and maintain that throughout the years as well. Because you're one of the guys that come straight, they come to mind whenever I think about fitness professionals that are doing their thing in Canada and they're doing their thing the right way. Because right. there are some that are kind of, you know, once they get to a certain aspect, they kind of go toward working at, like you said, Good Life or places like that, and they kind of get lost yeah. in the mix and just become another trainer for the most part, but you're definitely, when it comes to a fitness personality, you're one of the guys that come to mind when I think about Canadian coaches as well. So how have you maintained that, and how did you kind of get through those those obstacles and, and blocks that a lot of coaches tell me about from Canada? I don't live in Canada, so I don't know exactly how true they are, but it's just coming from different sources, I'm pretty sure that there is some truth to some of the things these guys are saying. Right. I mean, I don't train a lot of high-profile um, athletes, so I'm not sure if people are telling you there's a lot of red tape. That's what their business is, is based on. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't really see, I don't see any of that. I mean, to me, if, if somebody who's, like, I guess, the equivalent of me said that to me here in Toronto, I'd just say, that's kind of an excuse. Like, you're not really kind of getting out and doing your thing. Right. If it's high-profile uh, athletes, then I don't know because I don't actually uh, spend a lot of time training them. If I do have any, they're basically, you know, Toronto-based. So there's no issues with that. Um, but as far as you know, Canada, it's just you know, it's just not as big. It's just not as as profiled or, or put on a pedestal, I guess, as as the U.S. is. I and mean, I spent time in the U.S. I lived in and um, I went to school in uh, Philadelphia, outside Philadelphia, for a couple of years, and then uh, I lived in Chicago as well. So I mean, just from a sports standpoint alone, I mean, when I I moved to Chicago when I was going from eighth grade to high school, and I was like, you know what, I'm going to play football. And, you know, I'm going to be a quarterback because I was quarterback at recess here in Canada, and I could be a quarterback when I go to the States. And honestly, that first year, I grew up as a boy to a man because I got my ass kicked each and every day. And I, I found out real quick I was not a quarterback, by the way. But, uh, you know, these guys were lifting when they were in, like, fourth grade, and I didn't know what a weight was until I got there, right? So, you know, that – Maybe maybe that's my benefit, my, my uh, I guess, an advantage I have to other people because I know that, you know, we're so far behind on so many things. We, I, you know, we're still really good in hockey, but uh, I think it's just in our blood. I don't know, but uh, we, we, we train we train for hockey when we're early and we're young. We may not have weights to play with, but, uh, you know, that's kind of what we what we grown up with. But uh, I don't know. I think, um, you know, for, for most of the trainers that you know, I work with or you know, the colleagues I have in the city, who are doing really well, I think we just, 
we just negate or just kind of, you know, blind eye to all the BS that kind of goes on and, and you know, all people trying to hold us back and we just kind of do our thing. And, and there's some people that are really successful here in the city that I, you know, don't align with, but, um, you know, mm. they're doing the same thing. So um, I, I really don't see the red tape that, uh, that you're talking about. Unless you can give me a, a specific example maybe, then I can, uh, can talk about that. Yeah, I wish they would give me an example as well, but I've heard from quite a few <laughs> folks, and they give me that same thing, but they never really go in depth. Or they say, it's just too hard. It's, it's just hard up here as a trainer, as a coach, man. They, they just make uh, it so hard. So that's why I'm coming to the U.S. I'm like, huh? What? I think the red tape sincere is they have a hard time getting off the couch. Yeah, yeah I think that's getting out there, promoting their business, writing articles, doing clips, yeah. being productive. That's that's the red tape. It's, it's still exactly. the most red tape. <laughs> is it that you have a problem with red tape or have a problem with your internet connection? Because I'm like, if you have a computer, you shouldn't have a problem. So, and last time I so, checked, Canada was a very advanced country as well. I'm pretty sure you have Wi-Fi there. Yeah, I think we do. <laughs> I mean, we have a friend yeah. that, that can get on a call with us on this show, and she's in Costa Rica. And, you know, that's Central America. So, of course, their internet connection is going to be questionable at best. If she can get on the show and find a way, then someone in Canada can find a way to get online and have a successful business if they put their, their minds to it. That's just me. Well, yeah, I, think, I think the reality also is that anyone who has an internet connection has the potential to have a global business. There's no right. reason to be bound by geographical boundaries anymore. I mean, if I, if I – relied on the Las Vegas market, I, I would be living in a trailer in a parking lot somewhere. <laughs> I mean, this, yep. town, this town's terrible for business. I don't know how anyone runs a successful gym out here, but it doesn't affect me at all because I, I don't do anything in Las Vegas. I live here, but business-wise, I don't teach courses here. I don't have private clients here, but I don't need to have that. So I have a website that has buyers from all over the world. So I think, I think people are stuck in this whole kind of brick-and-mortar mentality of, okay, I'm in, I'm in Worcester, Ohio, so how am I going to build my business? It's like, well, you don't have to limit yourself to wherever you're at. So if local business is not good, start thinking globally. Well, yeah, I think, uh, you know, for, especially the fitness model side of things, like when I was doing that, um, you know, there was obviously some, we just don't have as many publications as the states have, so, you know, there's limited um, exposure here for that. Right. And maybe, you know, they relate that to fitness, but at the same time, you know, it's just like Mike said, I mean, you can, you know, just get off your ass and do something. I mean, you've got to find your way to get out there and do your thing. So but I, I get emails all the time, not so much from fitness competitors anymore, but I used to get it a lot when I was in magazines all the time and stuff. And, Right. And we all, you know, the three of us know that just because you're in a magazine doesn't mean shit. No. <laughs> you know, you can write, or you can have an article in there, whatever. Whoever uh, edits the article may or may not be on the top of cutting edge science or, or training, you know, philosophies or techniques, and you just have, you know, you have an article. Big deal. I mean, it's great for business. The back end is, you know, back end is business for us. But I get a lot of questions as, as you know, new, you know. Can you can you put me in touch with the Harlequin people? I know you did a lot of Harlequin. Uh, for, uh, <laughs> Nate, can you do this? Can you do that? Nate, can you put me in touch with? Them? It's like you know what, guys? I didn't ask anybody else to help me out. I just I went to exactly. auditions. I, I wrote them letters saying, hey, yeah. you know what? Um, I'm in shape. I would like to be. You know, I'd like to appear on a cover. You know, what do you think? And they thought, well, why don't you come in for a test shot? You know, and then all of a sudden that uh, relationship starts, and you just go from there. Right. Exactly. The people the like, people don't want to pay their dues is the biggest mistake. And you know what you were talking about? How people are emailing you asking for your help. That, that's mistake number one, because what they should be doing is emailing you with some benefit to you to start off with. Yeah, exactly. And then maybe, maybe, hey, Nate, can I do an interview with you for my blog? And then they get you some traffic. And then they could say, hey, would you, can you help me out with this contact or that contact? Right. So otherwise, you're just some troll. That's just what's in it for me. You're just hitting people up, trying to see what they can do for you. 
and offering nothing in return. So it's, it's a very, I mean, I refer to that in my book as nuisance networking because that's exactly <laughs> what it is. You're just yeah. being a nuisance and you're not inspiring anyone to want to help you. Yep. Understand I love, people. Uh, it's, it's, it's the law of reciprocity. It's a simple thing. Right. Okay, if, you, if, those are, if that's too many syllables for you, it's called a win-win situation. How about that? <laughs> well, you're, you're a perfect example, Sincere, of, of how to do it properly because, I mean, Sincere came to a few of my workshops and paid. He didn't email me up and say, hey, I'm a friend of Steve Cotter's. Can you call me? You know, he paid and showed up a few times. And then, you know, we started, hey, we started networking there and we started having some good conversations. And then we started working together where he's getting paid now to teach. We're getting, he's getting paid to teach with me so we're getting paid together. And then that, all of that led to this show and other things and so forth. So, I mean, that's, that's a perfect example right there of how to do it. But that's now, a long-term plan. Yeah, exactly. Now, here's the deal. Don't go in thinking like, you know, I'm going to hook up with so-and-so, help them out now so they can eventually help me out. Because trust me, all the stuff that <laughs> right. Mike and I are doing right now, I, I didn't fathom any of the things that we've done as far as uh, a joint venture and working relationship. My thing was like, hey, I like the things that Mike's doing. I like the way he teaches. I want to go to this course. I'm tired of just looking online and looking at all the free articles. I actually want to go to a workshop and experience it myself because exactly. I'm also one of those people. I'm more about spending my money on experiences and not just stuff. So I can buy DVDs all day, but there's nothing beats actually being there with that instructor because his DVDs may be great, but he could have been an asshole in person and he could have sucked <laughs> teaching the workshop in person. So my thing is I want to know where my money's going. I like to know what I'm investing in. So if I go there and he sucks as an instructor, I'm like, I don't think I'll be buying any more of those DVDs. <laughs> but the thing is, I, I Fortunately, I didn't have to have that issue happen with this working relationship. But again, like I said, in the very beginning, I wasn't thinking about, yeah, I'm going to go out there, go to this dude's workshop, connect with him, and then eventually we're going to be doing this together. No, I don't do that. <laughs> you know, because, again, that's me having an expectation about something that's a lie. I'm thinking about something in the future that hasn't even happened. So guess what? When it doesn't happen, then you're pissed off, you're upset. And why are you upset? Because you were hanging on to something that didn't exist in the first place. You're making up crap in your head. So, guys, guys, guys do that with women all the time. You know, that's always the best analogy because I'll be like a guy like, I'm going to go to this girl's class or course and I'm going to like, hit her up and he gets over there and finds out she's married with three kids. Like, you, might have, you might have been a good idea to do some research on it even more. First of all, that's just a creepy thing to do. Anyway. I know. I mean, so what are you thinking, man? You know? But it's, it's, you bring up a good point, Sincere, because so many people think of, I'm going to go do this and that'll lead to this, and then that'll lead to that. It's like, what do you just focus on right now, buddy? Like, I, I had a guy email me about my testosterone booster. He's like, uh, he hasn't even started taking it, right? He just bought it. So he's like, you know, after the eight-week cycle, I take four weeks off. You know, what's going to happen during that four weeks? Am I going to lose energy? Am I going to lose this? I'm like, I don't know. Let's see what happens when we get there. Because, <laughs> I mean, why, why, why are you worrying about something that may or may not happen now? You know, for all yeah. we know, the product may not even be a fit for you. You may take it for a couple of weeks and say, you know what, it's not working. And then that potential problem that you're thinking of never even came to the surface. Or you may take it and you feel fantastic. And during that four weeks off, you feel like a million bucks and it's a non-issue. So, so either way, it's not worth worrying about now. Or you could have just said, you know what, last time I checked, my name is not Miss Cleo and my product is not sponsored <laughs> by Dion Warwick and the Psychic Friends Network. Okay. <laughs> well, actually, it's like, hey, buddy, your, your dick's going to grow four inches when you're on cycle, but it may go back down to, you know, <laughs> two inches below where you start with. So I, I should just start messing with people when they say stuff like that. It's like, you know what's going to happen is uh, just, just be aware that this is a potential side effect. You know? It's like, you know, what's going to happen in those four weeks? One word, shrinkage. 
<laughs> and just leave it at that. And leave yeah, it. See, that goes that. back to that goes back to you pulling the, that racist card. Just throwing that. They'll just throw them off. That'll shut them down. He's like shrinkish. Yep. Back, goodbye. Just down with one word: shrinkish. And that's even really cryptic. Nate, <laughs> 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 Nate, at this point is like, uh, man, what, what kind of show is this, man? I'm <laughs> I didn't realize what I was getting myself into here. <laughs> I came on, I'm, you know, I'm sharing that heartfelt story. I'm talking about all this. And, you know, now we're talking about shrinkage. Yeah, we're going to end this show off with shrinkage? Really? I am curious with the, you know, this, whole, this whole journey with you is when, when did you start feeling – when did you start really feeling good? So when you were doing the plant-based, 100% just wasn't working out for you, and then you started incorporating a few things back in. You're modifying it. You know, are, are you eating meat daily now, or is it a couple times a week? And when did you start feeling like, okay, I'm feeling good again. I've got my, I'm, I've got my swagger back. Well, you know, kind of through, you know, going back to the holistic side of things, again, I felt great for a long time once I got things going after, you know, hitting your website with, uh, with that article that you and John did. And that really helped because, I mean, like I said, I was in that bodybuilding mentality with no fat. So when I started adding fats back, I started feeling great again because obviously we all know the importance of fats with, you know, cell, um, you know, the bilators and whatnot and and our brain health and and bile production, yada, yada, yada. So I felt great then. And then uh, I kind of got away from that for some reason. I don't know who I was, like, researching or looking into. And it was like, you know, you got to go raw food because raw food, you know, the heat just denatures the proteins and denatures all the enzymes. So... I went that route and kind of screwed myself up, you know. Right. And then, like I said, you know, keeping in mind that, you know, my, my mom was such a, um, um, I guess, a destructive uh, occurrence in my life as far as what happened to her, and I was so angry that I kept going back to that. So that, you know, you got to keep in mind with whatever I felt, whatever diet I was on, I still had issues that I didn't resolve, you know. So right. for me, when, as soon as I got stressed, it didn't matter what diet I was on, I was going to chocolate or sugar or to you know, whatever it was to, to clog up my digestion. So, again, it's not like I'm saying, you know, the vegan diet didn't work for me 100%. It's just that from my lifestyle right now, I'm not, I'm not on this earth to live my life just to be a part of the vegan tribe. And right, I really right. need to, to focus on my health. I, mean, I need to get back to, I don't really care about fitness modeling much anymore, but, you know, it would be nice. To, uh, I actually have a project that I'm, I'm working on to uh, do within two or three months. So I, I need to get back in shape for it. So I'm like, well, <laughs> I'm not happy with where I'm with where I'm at. I need to, you know, kind of get back to to doing what I was doing, and I can finally train again without any pain. So that's phenomenal. Uh, my sleep is good. What am I going to do? So I started, you know, adding a little bit of eggs. Right now, it started out with like eggs for maybe two or three times a week, and then um, uh, about the second or third week, I actually got stuck. <laughs> I was at somebody's house, and they made, like, this big roast beef dinner, and uh, there was tons of carrots and tons of potatoes. That was it. So I was like, well, yeah, I can do that. Let's just maybe try a little bit of meat here and see what happens. And I, I digested it fine, no issues. And I was like, all right, well, that was kind of like another stepping stone. So uh, I've, I've had it probably, I don't know, two or three times a week right now. And, right. Uh, but I have no, like, if I had it every day, I wouldn't really care. I, I'm not exactly like into the, you know, whether it's paleo or vegan or whatever. So right now it's, it's ease. It's about being, you know, getting a, a meal in that's easy, um, being happy with what I'm doing. You know, I'm, 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 I always said that if I went back to eating meat, I couldn't do it because of moral reasons. But unfortunately, that's, I, 
I didn't know what was going to happen when I actually went back and ate meat. So really the moral reasons for me, as much as I like to say I love my cats and everything else, I have no problem eating meat as long as it's, you know, coming from grass-fed sources and humanely killed and all that kind of stuff. But, right, right. you know, that, that's me, obviously, like you, you said as well. I respect the people who are doing it for moral reasons, and, and this project that I'm doing is actually all about that. So it's about <clears> how to really, you know, optimize your vegan diet or any diet that you're on, um, and going forward with that. So again, I felt great for a long time doing that. I, I felt great initially on a raw vegan diet, but then, you know, things kind of went downhill from there and stress and, and not getting over my mom's passing and things like that. So I mean, there were some other issues going on there that uh, really contributed to how I felt, um, through diet, I guess, or via my diet. Definitely. So that's kind of a, a complicated answer, but you know that's just what holistic is. You know, it's it's taking everything into account, right? So no, it's a good answer. Exactly, a good answer. I think I think it, you know, there's so many individual variances with each person. I mean, I, yeah. I, I've thrived I've thrived on a vegan diet for a long time, but honestly, with the first couple of years when I was trying to transition transition over, I didn't really know what I was doing, and there was a lot of back and forth. I would try vegan for a while, I didn't feel that good, so I would add some dairy and eggs back in. Then I was like, all right, let's try it one more time. And then eventually it got to the point where I'm like, okay, I think I've got it dialed in now. I've got the right fats, got the right combinations of nuts, seeds, legumes, fruits, veggies. I've got the right protein powder to round out all the edges. I've got the right supplementation to make sure the gaps are filled. And you know, I feel fantastic now. The hormone work backs it up and so forth. But I think sometimes people get frustrated because they'll they'll try to duplicate what I've done and they're not getting the same results. And they're going, yeah. come on, how come this is not happening? And I, I say, well, look, first of all, it was a very gradual process for me as well. You know, I started off just giving up most meats and still eating fish, eggs, dairy, and I did that for a few years. This is when I was 15. And then I gave up the fish, ate the eggs and dairy for a few more years. <clears throat> and then I went back and forth between vegan and lacto-ovo, vegetarian, et cetera. So, I mean, it took a while to dial it in. And I think that's one of the other mistakes a lot of people make is they, they've been eating meat their entire life. And then they watch some documentary or they read an article or they talk to a friend and they decide, okay, tomorrow, that's it. I'm going to go right into it. And your, your body is not used to metabolizing that kind of food. You know, you've adapted to one eating pattern and now you're trying to do a radically different eating pattern. And that's why times, a lot of times people feel like crap. Now, sometimes they feel better because what they were eating before was just garbage. So now they're actually yeah. eating better foods just by default. So sometimes that happens too where you actually feel a lot better. So, so, but a lot of times for people that they just feel like crap because they're trying to change too many things too soon. You know, do a much more, what I like about a more gradual approach also is that it kind of lets you know each step where you're at. So for example, if you're eating fish, eggs, dairy, et cetera, and you feel great there, and then you cut out the fish and all of a sudden you feel like crap, you know, okay, let me keep that in. Or if you're doing eggs, dairy, cut that out and you feel like crap, you can, you know, it kind of gives you points where you can go back to rather than going vegan right back to meat. You can, you can take one step back and keep going back and forth with different things. But it's, it's always funny when someone will say, when someone thinks they know how you feel better than you do. Yeah, and they'll say, there's, there's no way you feel good with that in there. Exactly. You know, it's, it's, like, look at you. It's going to mess your skin up. I heard that. Yeah, exactly. thing. Eating, I was told, you know, eating meat is bad for your skin. And then you've got people like, you know, eating grains is bad for your skin. I'm like, you know what's great for my skin? Coconut oil, water, sleep, all those yeah. things, you know, good fats. All that is good for my skin. And guess what? I've never, to my, the only time I've ever had skin problems in my life 
is when I was stressed out. And this came from a, a relationship at the time. It was just all the things I was going through with, with that relationship. And, and I have pictures. I look at the pictures just during that time period. I was like, damn, look at my skin. This is horrible. <laughs> it's like, no, what yeah. the hell was I going through? But then I look at the date of that picture. I'm like, oh, <laughs> that's what I was going through. Okay. So once it started just changing lifestyle, which Nate was just talking about that was stress. We talked about this last week with Dr. Peter Riles for stress. The week before that, it's like that is the common denominator now. It seems like for all of our shows, most people are looking for the perfect diet. They're looking for the perfect workout. But one of the first things everyone probably should start with, and Mike says it a million times, I say it a million times, look at the things that are stressing you out. How is your lifestyle? What, are you getting stresses in your life that are not optimal type of stresses? Like training, is, that type of stress is a different type of stress. That's a good stress when done the right way. But, again, as we always say, if you're in a job that sucks, in a relationship that sucks, if you're not, if you're doing things that you know that don't get you moving and then get you excited, then you need to take a look at those things, address those before you do anything else because if those issues are not being addressed, you can eat, you can pick whatever diet of the week that you want to and think that it's going to be healthier for you. At the end of the day, if you're stressed out, it's not even going to matter. If pretty much if you're doing that diet on point, and you're stressing, then if you're stressing over what you're eating, even if it's healthy, then you're still stressing. And that's, again, address the stress first. Get some sleep, which also helps with stress. And then you start taking care of those two things. I'm pretty sure everything else will start to fall into place. So yeah, when you're, when you're the carrot before the horse. Yeah, exactly. When you're, when you're provoked to eat a certain food, that's usually something that's unhealthy in particular. That's usually because of some imbalance with your biochemistry, your brain imbalance, right. brain neurotransmitter imbalance, et cetera. So people that have a lot of sugar cravings, often that's you know, very low serotonin, so they're desperately trying to raise it up. So that's why it's not surprising you guys were talking about when people go through a depression, you get these intense sugar cravings. Sometimes it's salt cravings for people because you're just depleted in that serotonin and you're desperately trying to bring it up any way you can. Right. You know, other people, that their, their appetite shuts off completely. You know, that, that often happens to me when I've gone through really yeah, stressful right periods. Yeah, that's me. Yeah. I'm not a sugar craving guy. I never crave sugar. I mean, I have some kind of junk food. What is that like? Every once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> but people yeah, always, people always ask me that because people are like, man, that's crazy. But I can honestly say I don't, I don't crave sugar. I'm not, a, I'm not a big sugar guy. My brother can eat cookies all night long. My, same thing with my father. But my mother's not a sugar person. I'm not. So I probably got it from her. It's just not something that – but I think a large part of it is it's because I've studied all this endocrinology so much, hormones, neurotransmitters, et cetera, that I have those things dialed in because mild depression is something that I suffered with good chunk of my life, you know, all the way until my 30s when I started studying this stuff, I figured I finally nailed that in the bud. But as I talk about it in my book, I know exactly where that came from, and it wasn't until I solved some unresolved things that, that put me in the right direction. Right. So I, I, I think Sincere really hit the nail on the head with, you know, what's going on in your life that's even provoking these responses? Why are you craving these things? Why are you eating unhealthy? Because it's it's always coming from something unresolved. And yeah, if you don't absolutely. solve that, then it's just a battle of attrition. And every battle of attrition has the same end. You're going to lose that at some point. Yes, I said. Stop personifying food. Quit blaming things on food. Quit saying you have this relationship with food. You're not sleeping with it. Well, some people are. You throw food right. under the bed and hide it under the, <laughs> you know, the pillows and all that. But my thing is, <laughs> you, know, and I, and, you know, I don't want to take this show into another a rating of the show by saying what other people do with food. But what I'm saying here is, you know, stop trying to personify food and, and make it something that it's not. And quit trying to make it your best friend, the person that you go to when things are bad and you talk to and all that. Come on, man. Stop that. There's just, it, 
the thing is, deal with, try to find out what those issues are going on inside and seek a professional and not a buffet. Because <laughs> yeah. guess what? That's only going to last for so long. Because what it's usually going to tell you while it's happening, like, oh, God, this feels really good. And then a few minutes later, like, oh, this really, really sucks. And at the end of the day, whatever issues you had, they're still there. Now you just have to deal with those issues with an upset stomach. And it just makes it even worse. So it's like someone that does drugs. Yeah, you're high and you're feeling, you think you're feeling good for about however long you're high. But then when you come off that high, man, you're like, oh, you come crashing down, it's back to reality. And that's why so many people are addicted to drugs, because they don't want to come back to reality. They don't want to deal with this stuff. They just want to stay on a permanent high. But eventually, that's not going to work. <laughs> no that oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Nate. I just take that same analogy with, you know, uh, doing drugs or, you know, and you come down from that high. But when you, say for myself, when I was stressed out and I would eat, you know, a ton of sugar or a ton, a ton of crappy food and, and clog my digestion up, when mm-hmm. I came down from that high, Okay, that's great, but now my digestion sucks. So now I'm going to be suffering for the next couple of days just from those couple of hours of eating shit, you know. And exactly. it's like, well, that's why I'm craving more sugar because I haven't got any nutrients in them. I haven't absorbed any nutrients. My brain hasn't got the nutrients it needs. So, of course, my leptin levels, insulin levels, all that jazz is all out of whack. And I, I, my cravings are still there. So that's why, like, you know, when you ask me how I felt, it's, it's really tough to say because a partly, you know, big part of it is my own fault for not letting the vegan diet, you know, take its course, even though I, I tried for like four and a half, five years. So there was times, like I'm fully aware that there was times when obviously my digestion was so bad, whether it was constipation, gas, bloating, acid reflux, whatever it may be, you know, that, that was definitely causing a huge issue in my ability to, to make well, you know, well-rounded choices as far as what went in my mouth. Yep. Right. So, you know, well, one thing is one thing that I know we're going over a little bit, but just one thing I just wanted to give the listeners a food for thought is the fact that you know, in the developed world, America, Canada, Europe, et cetera, it's, it's like food is such a problem mainly because the wrong foods are so accessible and so cheap because people yeah. that go through stresses that are way beyond any of us have ever been through, you know, Bosnia and other countries in Africa and so forth, where we're talking, you know, living through genocides and immense suffering. They, they, they don't have the opportunity to say, okay, my family just died. I'm going to go eat a lot of sugar, eat a lot of junk food, because there isn't exactly. any. Exactly. So right. they don't have you know, this. So, I mean, they have, they have to manifest it some other way. But in the U.S., it's like that's a, that's a food. All this junk is, is a drug, and it's a very accessible drug, and it's something that is not looked at as a drug. So people look at it as it's somewhat harmless. Like, it's okay for me to eat a lot of this junk. You know, that's just my choice. It's just food. It's not that big of a deal. I got it under control. Yeah, yeah, but it sounds, has come on, sounds like a drug addict to me. Yeah, it has I can stop life. when I want. I can stop eating all day when I want. Okay. I can stop eating all this chocolate when I want to, man. I just don't want to right now. Yeah, and you don't think that's a drug? Listen to what you're saying. You sound like a classic drug addict right now. All the same quotes. Okay, you, you sound like yeah, Charlie Sheen with food. The problem, the problem <laughs> is that other countries that are underdeveloped, they're, they're, they're looking at these luxury problems as, as something to aspire to. Something. Right, yeah, they want those problems. Yes, yeah, like I, I want to have the ability to, you know, to be overweight because to deal with my problems because I couldn't do that now if I wanted to. You know, you're in Kenya and you're poor. You're living off Ugali, which is cornmeal, and then you're walking 20 yeah. miles a day for work, and then you're doing manual labor probably, and you're eating just enough to sustain yeah. yourself, hopefully, for that day. Got a cassava and a banana. You have one banana a day and cassava. It's just like, there it is. So that's definitely not paleo, but they're skinnier than you <laughs> and leaner than you. And that's all starch and sugar right there. But they're, they're surviving off. They don't have any other options. So a lot of times we have these arguments. These are what they call first world problems. Right. <laughs> so, right. so just, you know, let's just really think about it. Like, are these really 
really a problem when we think about that? Like, man, I eat too much. <laughs> really? <laughs> Somebody in Africa wishes they had that problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes you have to realize the problems you have. People would love to have those problems. Exactly. I think about that sometimes, too. Like, I'm dealing, dealing with the business matter. I'm like, why is this taking so long? This is irritating. <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? This is the kind of problem. I'm sitting in my light and luxurious house <laughs> up on my couch in front of the computer. Yeah, exactly. You kind of have to just step back sometimes and realize, yep. you know what, real this, is, this, this is a joke of a problem. I, mean, I always say this. Whenever someone comes to me with their little problems, I go, tell you what, find a hospital in town, a children's mm-hmm. hospital. Yep. Go talk to the kids that have cancer or just, just suffered a severe burn. Go tell them, and are, would you be comfortable telling them about the problem you have right now? Yep. And if the answer is yes, then, you know, go find a cl- I mean, if the answer is no, go find a cliff and jump off it. You, know, <laughs> <laughs> you don't deserve your next breath, man. That, that kind of allows, sometimes we've got to put stuff back in context. You know? That's one thing my mom always, you know, no matter how, how much she was in pain or struggling from the, can- or from the chemo and radiation, she, you know, I had to come home from school and be like, Mom, how are you doing? And she'd always just say, you know what, there's always people worse off than me. Yeah. And it was just such a, you know, she's such a strong or was such a strong individual that, um, you know, it was, uh, even though I kind of let that go or I forgot that during that point in time, but uh, that's basically what got me out of it was, was remembering more, kind of getting back to my memories with her and, and realizing right. that, you know what, Nate, you got to suck it up, dude. <laughs> right. you got to pull up the pants and get going because uh, your life's passing you by and, you know, it's time to go. Exactly. You know, and I don't want to diminish what you went through either. I mean, those are, that's a problem, no doubt. You know, if a close one's dying, a loved one's dying, I'm not saying that, you know, I would be callous about like, oh, just suck it up. Your mom's dying too bad. <laughs> you know, because, I mean, those are real problems, and we have to acknowledge right. that. But I think, I think the fact that your mother was able to acknowledge that while she's going through that is very impressive. And you know, it just shows yeah, some serious wisdom there because, you know, I, I went through a really bad case of pneumonia one time where you know, I, I was really ornery during that time. It was, it was, I nearly died from it, but uh, I don't think I went through it that gracefully. I mean, I was, I was really irritable at the time. So, I mean, that, that's impressive to go through something that's obviously a lot worse than what I went through and, and have that resolve in that moment. Nate, thanks a lot, man. I know we, we went over time, and I know I told you about an hour, but, yeah, this was a good <laughs> conversation. We didn't want to stop it, man. <laughs> oh, it was great, guys. Thanks so much for having me on. It's, uh, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, hey, man, before you go, man, tell everyone where they can find out more information about you and the services that you provide. Well, I'm a social media horse, so if you just type my name in any, whether it's uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, whatever, you'll find me. Uh, other than that, though, NathanJackson.com. It's uh, Nathan with an E, though, so N-A-T-H-A-N-E, and then Jackson. And, uh, yeah, that's where I'm at. So I have a digestion document there that's uh, – you sign up for the newsletter, you get the digestion document, kind of those are the points that we talked about today, clearing up all those issues and you know, making sure that you avoid that uh, 90% of that disease starts in the gut. So trying to trying to take that out before it starts. Yes, awesome. There you go, folks. Now you know where to send your hate mail. Yeah, no doubt. Huh? <laughs> yeah, it's coming. Yeah, let's, see, let's see what happens with this coming out. Oh, yeah. Here. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Nate, it gets better. Hey, Nate, yeah, no, you. <laughs> no, cool, man. Thanks a lot, buddy. Thanks for coming on and sharing the story. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Have a great one. You too, man. Take yeah. care. Take care. Take care. So, again, people, you know the magic formula. Subscribe to the show. Do that right now. If you don't remember that right now, make a note of it on your phone so when you get back, you can do that if you're, if you're listening in the car. So if you're in the car, don't sit there and try to, like, subscribe to the show while you're driving. Please. Don't want to hear about you running into someone. So, but, you know, when you get a chance, as soon as possible, subscribe to the show, download the show, 
Make sure you share the show with your friends. Listen to it. Keep giving us your feedback. You can also leave those ratings and reviews on iTunes, on Stitcher, and most importantly, so we can keep this show going, make sure you uh, look out for Mike and myself and support our products that we provide for you guys because by us providing our products keeps us from being advertising whores and have all these people, you know, saturating our show with all their products. So we like our products a lot better. You like our products too. So please head over to our websites, whether it's Mike's website, MikeMahler.com, or mine, NewWarriorTraining.com, and use the coupon code LLA on Mike's site. That'll get you 10% off of his supplements. And how much will they get off, Mike, for anyone that's signing up for your Australia tour that's coming up in May? Yeah, it's just 10% off that as well because okay. it's, the same, it's the same coupon code, so I couldn't add any variation there. But it's you know, 10% off a pretty pretty high-tab course. So you're going to get a nice savings there. And just to plant the seed, we're, we're actually having some internal discussions of a potential course in Las Wait. Vegas. What? Yeah. So we're not going <laughs> to go into yet. too much detail, but it's going to be me, Sincere, and, uh, and two other big names in the kettlebell world as well as the fitness industry. We're just putting the initial idea together, and we're going to so – we'll talk about it on the show in a week or two just to get garner some interest. But we, right. if we do that, it's going to be in Las Vegas in September. So keep your eyes peeled for that. So, yeah, so let's just go ahead. You know what? We haven't told you anything yet as far as details. But right now, just go ahead and – Let's clear everything for September. Don't plan anything in September. We're going to give you a date, <laughs> but the thing is, yeah. don't even worry about September. That month is taken because you – put like this, we're 99% sure this is going to happen. So with that being said, just clear your September. Don't spend all your money for August. Gear up get ready for this because this is probably going to be a one-time event ever. Especially, yes, don't, don't don't ask us when we put it on the website. Oh, when are you <laughs> going to do this again? Dallas? When are you coming to Denver? When are you coming to Spain? Vegas, not going anywhere. Four Vegas. of us are gonna. Four of us. It's hard enough to get four of us to to put down a weekend where we're not doing something else to teach something. So right. it's gonna be a it's gonna be a one time event, and yeah. we'll have more information on that. And yeah, we're gonna stop probably we're gonna probably in much. April. Yeah, yeah. We're we're just <laughs> we're just putting together the plan right now, so we're gonna give it a little bit. But but it's definitely gonna happen and. We'll get more information on that as progressions occur. Exactly. So, yeah, and as far as my products, you can hop over to my website and for my digital or physical copy of my bodyweight training DVD, use the same coupon code LLA over at NewWarriorTraining.com. That will get you 30% off of those as well. And, again, keep the ratings reviews coming. Thank you guys for all your feedback. We're listening. We're responding. I love the feedback that we're getting now on the fan page. It's LLA Podcast. That's on our Facebook fan page right there. Thank you for that. And other than that, people, looking forward to speaking with you next week. Got a lot of good stuff coming your way. Stay tuned, folks. You don't want to miss this. That's why you want to subscribe. So, therefore, you'll get it downloaded automatically. You don't sit there and worry like, oh, I need to go and remember when it's downloaded. It's already taken care of because you're subscribing. So, there you go. Do that. And then buy it with your money. <laughs> That's going to be our famous ending phrase from now. We've got to do something for GSP. Then he's kind of out of the public eye. <laughs> so, all right, folks, that's going to wrap it up for us. See you all on the next show. Take care, everybody. Take care.